Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. This is your host, Manion, also known as Rob. And I'm calling from one of the uh, more southerly, southerly islands of the Okinawan, uh, the, the Ryukyuan uh, archipelago in uh, southeastern, south, no, southwestern uh, Japan. The temperature is a balmy 24 degrees, or at least it was in the daytime. The, the the sunlight, however, is much stronger than upper climbs. Um, so I got a little bit burnt today. It's February, right? So early February. It's still like late, well, late winter, early spring in mainland Japan. But down here, it's... Well, the leaves haven't fallen. It's uh, ever summer. Um, well... It's the off season. It's cold for down here, but it's warm and hot for me. So it's lovely. Uh, I'm on holiday with the missus, and uh, this is where the uh, podcast begins. So uh, enjoy. Um, I'm currently watching the Dragon Slayer for the first time for the um, what was it movie of the month that is being done by Spencer of. Uh, of uh, excuse me, I'm a bit drunk. Uh, Spencer of uh, Keep Off the Borderlands, and I think this is the first time I've seen this movie. It's very nice. Um, I've got a few things to say about I. I think, or well, maybe I don't, but I'll enjoy it anyway. Um, I've I've got halfway through the movie. I was watching it like late last night before before uh, waking up at four four in the morning to uh, get on the, the the train, then the bus, and and the plane, and all that the rest of it. Here I am, um, and uh, I forget what I was going to talk about, but I'm looking down on a body tree. You know what a body tree is? I think that's the correct pronunciation. We call it a gajimaru. Gajimaru is a, is a Japanese word or the Okinawan word for a, a body tree, which is a type of tree in East Asia or Central Asia. And um, this one's lit up, so it looks like there's little spirits in the tree, which is according to the Okinawan uh, you know folk folklore is, is uh, the the body trees have little spirits in them you know they don't create Buddhas if Buddha doesn't sit at the bottom of them in Okinawa they have little spirits in them and um, it's very pretty it's it's very very touristy um, but it's still under touristed it's under it's not exploited the beaches are absolutely fantastic um Beautiful white sands, very few people, uh, peaceful as hell. Uh, that, that didn't make sense, right? But you, you get the idea. Um, very nice. I, I've not been on holiday for what five years with my missus, so it's the first time for us for a while. That's very nice, you know. We don't get away much. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Um, incredible colours in the sea, through. The greys, the turquoises, the blues, every 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 colour you can imagine in those uh, spectrums, um, and the, the landscape as well. The, the trees, the grass is green and green and green and all sorts of greens. Um, I've seen papaya, I've seen banana trees, and what have you. Um, sugar cane, everywhere. So um, yeah, it's it's a real nice. Uh, change and you know it really warms up the eyes after a bit of a cold bleak uh, winter 
Anyway, uh, I do have things to talk about and I believe we have some call-ins. So let's go on to that. Hey, so this is still Drunk Rob calling from Okinawa or the island of Miyakojima more uh, specifically. Um, um, and very happy I am to be calling from here. But um, I'm going to put on some calls. I've got some great call-ins. And the first one is um, a call-in from um, our great friend uh, Daniel of Bandit's Keep. And he's calling in with respect to... Oh, God, I forget what the... It was an, it was an episode about free will um, and so on the first one that I put out and then I put out another one a couple of days later um, actually the same day that he sent this res- response so you'll see a little bit of a kind of blurring of times and so on but w- what he's talking about here well maybe I should go into that in a moment um, so uh, yeah anyway just listen to Daniel I've got some more and then I have another call from Daniel which came as a response to the next um, podcast episode that I put out um so we'll get on to that let's let's have the call hey rob really great episode this is daniel by the way from men's keep wow great call from joe great breakdown of the mythology and the gods from tolkien and you know i had never read any of that stuff so i didn't know anything about that i love the idea of it i like the idea of gods being there, right? I like that idea, but I also love the idea of this like void or this lack of or the leaving. That sounds just really great. In my current campaign, I have a just a singular god. They it's not a well, I guess I guess it's monotheistic in that way, but it's not because there was a lot of gods basically in my world, but there was a massive battle and they were all destroyed except for one. So and this god isn't even wouldn't have been even close to one of the toughest ones. So I basically have a world where there's only one god, but it's far from all seeing, all knowing, whatever. So it's it's kind of interesting. I, I and I really like how it plays out in the world. Insofar as uh, Anthony's call and your response to it, both really great. A lot of great stuff this episode. Not that they're not always great, but really good episode this time. I like the kind of the philosophical delve into the the various ideas and you know how the your surroundings and how you describe the world and the color of it can then tie into the feel that the players have as they are effectively going through the world that then ties into the horror in that case. So really great, really great. And of course, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Greyhawk. You know, it's interesting. I think I probably told you this before. After listening to your first, when you did A1, I decided I was going to try to run it and I ran A1 as well. But then my players kind of went off in a totally different direction because I've been doing kind of what you're talking about. I, I inserted it into my world. It wasn't just, we're going to do these modules. I just put this thing going on out here. And in my case, the player characters went there because somebody they knew was captured and taken as a slave. So they they wasn't they weren't hired or anything like that because I think in the module you're hired to go. So once they did what they needed to do, which was free their the, the person... They basically fled, and while they did get the map to the slave route, and they they did actually encounter like the slave c- captain, or there was like a guy there who got away. They decided they had other things they had to do, so they basically left the area. And we were just kind of tonight we were doing a kind of in between slash downtime session, 
And that was the, one of the things that they said, we need to go back and tie up that loose end because there's this slave trade going on and everything. So it's interesting they're going to go dive back into it. But in the game world time, it's been probably six, I'll have to look at my calendar, but it's been at least six, seven months. So I'm basically going to be using the same module because they're going back to the same spot, but it's going to be totally different, right? Because I have to change it up based on what happened before and what else is going on in the world. So I'm pretty excited to incorporate it. Anyway, sounds like your campaign's awesome, and I'll talk to you soon. So thank you very much for that call in, Daniel. Um, it's just an amazing thing that you can use these modules in a way that is not as scripted in the module. Uh, I really think that's how they were supposed to be played out. Well, in a sense, right? I think in general, the modules are just guidelines. They're scripted sort of um, semi-scripted outlines of things that you can do. Um, see the village of Homlet or keep on, on the borderlands. You know, they, they even ask you to give the names of the characters. They just give you a very general out, outline. And for those who don't think that's a thing, well, you know, I, I did the village of Homlet for a year and a half. It took us a year and a half to go through that 18, what is originally a 18, 17, 18 page module in its original format. Um, that's not because we're slow. And I know people go through that in one session, two sessions, three sessions. It took us freaking, you know, what, 15 sessions to go through that module because there's a, it's a lot of stuff in there. And if you, if you play it out and you, you, you give your players a lot of um, leeway to, to take the, the adventure where they want to take it, it can take forever you know and you can keep on building on top of it because it's a framework it's a very general framework so i think what what uh daniel was saying here with respect to the um you know the slave lords campaign which was originally a it's it's a it's a very drunken dude walking in the <laughs> the hotel below me no, sorry, sorry don't drown yourself in the pool there lad um sorry back to the yeah slave lords you know um it, it, it it's a competition module right it's a it's a convention module so they're aiming at a certain time of things there's all sorts of problems with this module that i've I bumped heads with so i should have probably um worked with it a lot better i should have probably adapted it done a lot of stuff with that module um, but I didn't. Um, I just <laughs> ad-libbed. Um, but it's still going. Um, you know, we've got elements of uh, A2 that are still possibly could appear in, in future adventures in the campaign. And we've got A3, A4 that could still uh, crop up in the, in the campaign. And they may or may not crop up as published probably not as published and I, I really like what Daniel was saying here you know um, you take these ideas and you incorporate it into a campaign when you incorporate something into a campaign it, it becomes something else um, because it's no longer you go from A to B to C to D to you know like that um, that that is necessary in a short-term campaign, a uh, short-term adventure, you know, in a one-shot or in a convention module, and maybe in a what's the adventure, but <laughs> that that is a bit of a cheap shot. But it, it's not ideal for a real 
um, living D&D campaign. That's not how D&D was configured in the beginnings, and it's not how you should play it regardless of what um, what what edition you're playing it. Um, you should play it in a way that fits you as a DM and fits your players of players and gives you creative control over anything that crops up. Um, that's a very cheap way of, of explaining a campaign. Um, there's a lot more to it and I've already talked a little bit about this in terms of um, free will and so on. Uh, if you want me to develop that, well, go go look at earlier uh, podcasts, go look at later podcasts. Uh, I may pick up stuff more about that soon, but that doesn't mean you know it's a free for all story um the story is something that evolves from what has been preordained uh, in the plans in the world uh, and what the players bring in terms of plans and also uh, what what the dice dictate um and the way that that throws out it throws the the plans of the dm and uh, and the players out the window sometimes you know because things don't work out the way you expect and that that old drunk dude he's not so old he's he's up his way back home now he went down to the pool he didn't throw himself in the pool that's good he's he's way back home he's staggering a bit he's on his own but you know maybe he had a good night so that was a very long introduction to the next of daniel's uh, uh callings which will now follow Hey Rob, Daniel calling in again. Great episode, <laughs> two in a row, nice. At first I was like, what, did I miss the first one a long time ago? But I, I realized you did put them up pretty close together, so I am now caught up. But really cool, I, I always like when you talk about the various adventures, and that one that you ran was just very classic. Like, you know, the the lake and the remote you know area and the the, the boat, right? How did they get there and the missing person? What, what a great setup, really good classic setup that you can really dig into, like felt very sword and sorcery. Like I could, yeah, 100%. Sounded great. They must have had a great time. Your friend said is and you playing in it. And I would definitely love to play in a game like that. The second part, which I was actually going to call in just about that because I was out walking the dog and then I came back and had to do some stuff. Then I listened to the second part where Jason called in and that, wow, what a great conversation is going on here about these various aspects. And I think Jason's call is, is very poignant. It's, it's, it's interesting. It made me think, it almost feels a little bit sad because if you are a, a being, well, whatever you want to say, a, a god in one of these worlds or some kind of being or and or a, a person, and you you do know, you, you have the capability of knowing what's going to happen. But for whatever reason, you cannot do anything about it. That's just a really interesting place to be, right? Perhaps the god vowed to themselves they couldn't do it. Perhaps they've lost contact, you know, and they don't have the physical ability to affect the world like they did, let's say, when the, you know, when the world was first formed, that kind of thing, right? And this this God that 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 knows, they they know, they see the the things that people are doing and they understand where it's going to go, even if people themselves can't see it, but yet they cannot act. That's it's really interesting. Like the perspective of of a, of a being like that is just super interesting. It reminds me, I don't know why it reminded me, it's not exactly the same, but there's an adventure by Tim Shorts 
uh, called the Flayed King, and it's been a while since I ran it, but the the Flayed King is like this king, basically, who, through a wish or something, was able to learn all the knowledge of the world, but because they were greedy in the wish or whatever, they were cursed to never understand it. So they know everything, but they don't understand anything. And it's just interesting, right? You have this thing, but you can't act on it. So you know what's going to happen, but you can't act to stop it for whatever reason. It's not the same, but it has a similar kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, I'll use the same word I used before, like a sadness to it, which is really cool. I don't know that like the player characters ever truly get to interact with something like that if, if that's something you're doing behind the screen. But for us as... DMs or or world creators or whatever you know whatever game you're playing playing it can be cool to have something like that going on in our heads so I like it I like it a lot I, I've been uh, messing around with the the gods of my world and trying to figure out how I want to do it and I think these conversations are just really great so cool 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 thanks for you know putting out awesome podcast thanks Jason for that really uh, insightful and uh, call that just made really made me think so talk to you soon yeah thank you again. Um... Daniel, J- Jason's um, Jason's calling that time really surprised me. Not because he, it was, it, it was really yeah, it was very poignant. But he often um, you know plays himself down, which is uh, quite unusual. Um, and it's one of his better qualities. He's he's a very clever guy, um, with some very interesting insights. But he he plays himself. Uh, he plays it down, right? He, 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 he and and that's. I, I, I don't want to say it sound make this sound bad, but it's a it's a very um, interesting quality in Americans, uh, and I think you, some of you, many of you, you yourself have this quality, but not everybody. I, as, as a general quality, uh, nowadays it's usually people speak more than they really know <laughs> it seems to be the main quality of of um the american people um sorry if that sounds like a really awful generalization um but it is meant as a as a, a great um uh, uh comment uh and um of your ability to to speak uh, truth in these matters, um, so that was a very poor way of me worming my way out of uh, being really rude. Um, now people are generally kind of stupid, but it's nice when they are able to see their their inabilities, and I kind of respect that regardless of where they're from. Right? Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Um, so yeah, Jason had a really great point. I, I, I've, uh, God's thing is really fascinating. You know, I'm I'm not religious myself particularly but i think um, religion is is important and fascinating and beliefs are important and fascinating and they do shape the world um getting away from the real world and going to into a fantasy world um yeah i mean um what what is not more um greek uh, and, and tragic than some creature some powerful creature that knows everything but is unable to understand it what what an amazing idea! So that sounds like a really fascinating story that you've you you, you brought up there. Maybe I I should certainly try to read that. Um, uh, again, you know, um, uh, Glorantha Runequest is not everybody's cup of tea. But if you go into that, then you'll see the 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 way that the gods are so um, cornered and so in, ineffectual uh, through having. You know, by necessity, they've had to create a, this great um, 
uh, I forget what the word is, um, compromise. I think it's called the Great Compromise. And basically, gods have written themselves out of history. That is, they have started time. And time has no place for gods. The gods are in the world of the realm of mythology. Um, and we can only get in there through dreams and through magic and through uh, um, special kind of um, rituals and stuff, right? And then and only then can the gods actually have power through the people that believe in these rituals, that enact these rituals uh, and have an effect on the real world. Because they are uh, out of time. They are literally out of time. They, They don't exist in history in the real world of time uh, and that little kind of complicated um, idea in, in Gloranthan uh, cosmology is really really uh, an incredible twist it certainly fits into the kind of ancient world theory of gods the idea of gods in it but it fits in a way that works with our modern age way of thinking and that's quite fascinating. Uh, I'll cut myself off at this point, but uh, please uh, accept my thanks for your wonderful call-ins. And again, uh, thank you for uh, motivating me and, and making me feel like um, even if I'm not quite hitting the nails on the head correctly every time, I'm kind of setting the nails up and somebody else will come along and hit the nail on the head, you know what I mean? Um, and, and people have really uh, helped contribute to these ideas and shape them a little bit in you know, um, ways that I was hoping it would go in most ways um, and, and in other ways perhaps developing the ideas beyond what I was expecting but yeah, certainly in a, in a manner that I, I certainly respect and, uh, and appreciate right, I'll go to the next call who is it? I think it's Jason <laughs> Hey, Rob, Jason here, listening to your latest episode, Laissez-Faire Gods. I'm driving in the car, so I paused it, I don't know, 20-some minutes in. You're still talking about your game, and 100% I agree that for rangers and paladins, you have to enforce the restrictions, because those restrictions, even though they're not necessarily mechanical restrictions, you know, like behavior codes or codes of conduct, if you don't enforce those, then those characters end up being just way overpowered. And the balancing factor, what are those restrictions, those codes of conduct? And so if you just blow all those off, I mean, it's like, oh, we're just not going to use level limits because I don't like those. Well, that's fine, but you're, you're changing the dynamic of the game when you do that. If you let your rangers not be good, <laughs> you're changing the dynamic of the game, right? If you let a known thief, well, these can be, what, neutral good, I guess. But but if you let a known, well, yeah, if you let a known non-good character travel with a paladin, if you have a druid, if you let a druid travel with a paladin more than a one-off thing, you know, you're breaking the rules of the game there, and you're really, you're, you're changing the, the power dynamic that they designed, the balancing factors they designed. You know, druids and paladins are not meant to adventure together in AD&D. It, it's just the way the rules are written. Now, can you house rule it so they do? Of course you can. But you're changing the game when you do that. As far as random tables not being real games, whatever. That sounds like a bunch of 
internet hoopla from people who don't really play games. Hey Rob, just finished your episode and I want to say obviously the, the idea of a supreme being you know, in real life is one thing, but in your game as far as deities in the game I much prefer they not be. You, you know, in the previous episode you talked about the Greek gods and you brought up the excellent example of Clash of the Titans, the 80s movie, Harry Housen movie. And that is how I like the the deities and gods in my campaigns to work if I use them in that manner. You want them to be somewhat flawed, right, prideful, whatever, but you also don't want the gods in your campaign to be omnipotent you, because you want them to meddle. Because if they're not meddling, if they're not interacting and interfering, then why have them, right? So, yeah, I, I like the idea of something like the Greek gods as, as we see presented not only in Clash of Titans, but also throughout literature and throughout mythology and history. Um, I, that's the kind of example I like to see of, of deities and campaigns. To answer a question you kind of asked in the previous one, and I never answered. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for those two uh, call-ins. Yeah, the first one, um, I'll just respond to the thing about the uh, random roles. You know, where people, you don't have to have random roles, you, but they are an element that can uh, take control out and away from the, the DM. Um, they can also make things really wacky and crazy, right? So the, there's questions there, but it's the way you play it, right? And that's always the question with this game, is the way you play it makes it a success or a failure. Um, and if something's not working, then you, you tinker with it. All right, let's push that to the side. But but the idea that um, that this story comes first and there shouldn't be random elements, then, well, it's no longer a game, right? And it, you, why are you using dice? And all these other questions crop up for me. It's just not a, an issue. So if you're playing a game, it should have game-like qualities, which means there's ideas of chance and skill and all sorts of things that come into it and the story element is boiled into it more than many other games certainly because it's a role playing game um, but it it's um, you know the, the game doesn't enslave the rules nor does the rule nor do the rules enslave the game uh, sort of the story I think I said that wrongly. The, the story does not enslave the rules, and the the rules do not enslave the story. Um, the, the story kind of evolves from the gameplay. That is from a combination of rules and uh, and this um, interplay between game master and various players and other elements, right? This has been said a thousand times before, and uh, I'll just sort of really brush over it there in these few words. Um, you you talked also mentioned the Clash of the Titans, yeah, fantastic movie, love it. Something I should really work on more. These flawed gods, the, the Greek gods are fantastic because they they show us uh, archetypes of human emotion and. Uh, ability, capability, um, depths, <laughs> heights that that we don't necessarily want to aspire to. Um, 
they are extremes and they are they are um archetypes they are they are models for humanity but they're also warnings to humanity i think at, at least that's how i read it uh, and that's the amazing thing about what the greeks do the greek stories do the philosophers of the greeks and so on did with their stories is they they show these all not all powerful but incredibly powerful um creatures uh, and how they still weren't happy or how they still meddled with the world or how they were still awful um even when they tried to do good right and and that is a lesson to us to human beings and, and um and it's something fascinating for for players player characters um so yeah it's something there's something in that i think that's something to play with um obviously player characters a human more mortal creatures are, are limited to how far they can go in those directions right but the the, the deities give us a kind of a, an expression of that of how far you might go if you had the power to right whether it's for good or evil yeah really good stuff love that that's me back from okinawa now miyaku island and i just got a message from barry of gm shadow so i'm going to play that now i've not actually listened to it yet thank you barry i'm about to listen to it now with everyone else Hi Rob, it's Barry here, uh, or GM Shadow from A Song of Dice and Shadows, the newly relaunched podcast that it is. Um, just ringing to, first of all, try this on my phone and see if this works, because I've not actually done this. I'm going to try and do what everyone else does and ring whilst driving, um, hands-free, just to let you know. Um, also to say, really enjoying your kind of Greyhawk recaps. Um, as I think I said in my podcast, I'm looking at, you know, D&D Basic versus AD&D for solo gaming, so it's interesting to hear someone else playing. Um, I know we, we play together in that play-by-post. But again, it's interesting to hear actual, you know, sort of face-to-face, real-life gaming kind of going on with it as well and get a bit of a sense of how that kind of runs. Um, yeah, not much to say other than say I'm not going to get dragged into the debate around about free will and predetermination and all-knowing gods because that's a minefield. As an atheist, I have very strong opinions. So I won't get into that or else we'll drag this whole podcast in a, a rabbit hole we don't want to go down, I don't think. Um, yeah, other things to say is hope you enjoy your holiday. Hope it was good fun. Hope your toes are feeling better. And watch out for giant scorpions. Take care, Rob. I'll speak to you later. Bye. Thanks for that, Barry. Yeah, uh, I didn't realise you'd just relaunched your uh, uh, your podcast. I'll have to check. I thought it was still the same the same name. Anyway, uh, I've I've not been keeping up to date. There there are scorpions actually. Um, the scorpion reference is uh, related to my character, who has just failed his saving throw in our AD and D um, text game text game. Um, um, he's looking pretty bad, so hopefully the slow poison spell will have some effect on him. But then, what are you going to do after that? Um, I, I'm I'm happy with that. He's a great character, um, and because he's a great character, I'm happy to lose him. If that makes sense, uh, every dog has its day. It doesn't make the dog's life any less uh, important. So, um, minefields, yes. Um, uh, uh, I, 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 before we talk about, it, I thought you were going to talk about D and D and A D and D as being a minefield. You know, all these different versions of D and D. That was the last minefield, wasn't it? I was aware, Barry, that um, bringing up issues of gods and and free will and so on is a is is a potential problem. But I I think I uh, 
I think I classified it. I, 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 I brought the topic to the table with the caveat that we're talking about in-game, in-gamings and so on. Uh, similar to you, I have uh, not necessarily very strong views, um, but I am not, uh, let's say I'm not religious in any conventional sense, and I, I'm probably closer to atheist than, <laughs> than anything else, as far as many of our, uh, perhaps many of our um, American uh, listeners might be. Um, yeah, but... Uh, probably very similar to you, Barry, I'm sure. But I, I don't really see that as being an issue when it comes to gaming. You know, um, in gaming, I'm quite happy to have um, bloodshed and, and, and all sorts of uh, terror going on. Uh, however, it's something I would really be quite worried about in the real world and I would avoid <laughs> any kind of violence at all, as I'm sure most of you would be as well. So I think, um, yeah, br bringing out your own personal views and mix them with the fantasy world can be an issue. Um, since my my game world views and my personal views aren't quite the same um, because, well, because it's role-playing and because it's an escape from the real world rather than a reenactment of the real world, I don't really see there being any uh, problem personally but again that's just me right so um sometimes some things aren't so easily separate separated so i get that anyway anyway um on a more uh gamey and a positive uh uh point uh perspective um ad and D, D, &D I, I was mentioning to barry uh on discord he was saying that he was thinking about doing some solo gaming using the uh, Beckme or maybe the BX rules. I agreed with that. I think um, online, in fact, for speed and everything else, you can get everything out of BX that you can out of AD&D or any other version of D&D. And I think the reason for this is that it's um, it, it has the quintessence of D&D all there four classes, the idea of the races being separate from the classes or which are human, but still again giving you something that that suggests that hints at that that archetype. I think it works. I think it's fast and easy. Uh, it doesn't get bogged down in minutia like well should we have an illusionist or a sorcerer? Well they're magic users, you know. Um, if you really need some some differences, you can add or change some spells. You can um, change the way the classes work a little bit by um, adding or subtracting uh, from it. That is to say, adding um, abilities and and limitations, <laughs> or removing abilities, removing limitations. If that makes any sense. Um, Again, I would I would even go further and say for solo play, unless you really enjoy getting into the details of rules, which you know for some people is fun, um, for a quicker kind of experience, I would say something like the white box, um, what's it called, fantasy med medieval fantasy adventure game, um, which is available 
well, it's like 900 yen, which is what, five quid, five pounds or something like that. Um, now, it's, it's a really simple game. It's got one saving throw. It's got three classes plus an optional thief class. Um, the, the races are quite stripped down. You could even just ignore differences in race, you know, um, and just remove their advantages and disadvantages and just have them operate as humans for all game uh, purposes. Um, yeah, that having just a plus one, a zero or a minus one for the modifiers, for the ability scores, and also just having a single saving throw, I think that speeds things up. The, the fact that the armor classes are quite um, straightforward and also the fact that you can use the ascending armor class of more modern editions um, with a attack bonus instead of a, you know, uh, uh, attack matrix. That's, that's probably a really uh, easy thing. So you have an armor class 16 and you're trying to beat that number, uh, equal or beat that number. That's a great look system. The monsters are simple, very stripped down. Monster stats, um, uh, again... So it's easy to, because it's so stripped down and every monster essentially just has one attack uh, and most things do 1d6 damage, um, minus one or plus one sometimes for a little bit of oomph. Um, it, it's easy to have a, just make up a monster off on the fly. So, okay, it's the Goblin King. He has seven hit dice. Just, and that's what, he, and he does a d6 plus one damage rather than regular d6 because he's strong. There you go, bingo, and you say, oh, he's got armor class, he's wearing plate uh, with shield or something, which is what, armor class 17, 18. And it, there you go, you got, you got your monster. So you could go, you can open up your third edition books or your fifth edition books. You can see what hit dice it is in the, in the fifth edition. And instead of rolling, I don't know, 5d10 hit dice, you just roll the 5d6 hit dice of OD&D. Uh, your armor class probably doesn't need much changing, at least in the fifth editions, because they're a bit more, they're lower. Third edition, you might want bring, to bring those armor classes down a little bit. Uh, some of the more powerful monsters have very, very high armor classes due to very, very high um, bloat, <laughs> what's the word, uh, bonuses and modifiers and so on. Um, something that, that um, our Joe Richter has been talking about recently on the Hindsightless podcast. Right, uh, I'm now changed the topic, but just to return, um, great idea using something a, a simple version of D and D or any other role playing game for solo purposes, and if that doesn't suffice, you know, do what um, do what others have done and uh, just use fighting fantasy rules. Pretty good, although you probably want to set the stamina scores quite low, particularly for monsters. Otherwise, those combats can start to drag and get a bit boring. Anyway, just a few ideas there. Cheers, man. All right, I think I'll bring this to an end. It seems to have become a a me-talking-nonsense podcast uh, in response to the to the wonderful uh, messages that have been coming in. Well, hopefully, it wasn't too nonsensical. Um it's a little bit early. I'm just chilling out. I've got the rest of the week off. I've just come back from holiday, as I've said. Um, but my foot has taken a bit of battering, as I've said. I've, I broke my toe on my foot. Um, this is the second, well, third week now, almost. So I should be 
off the leg, but I've been wandering around, um, hobbling around on this leg, keeping the weight off the toes, obviously, but it's no good, you know, the blood flow and the, I've got a lot of bruising on some of the other toes that have started to appear, uh, and that's not good, so I need to just chill out for the next few days. Uh, another a couple of words about, in response to Barry's call, I think, are due here. I started talking about white box, which isn't really helpful when his question's about BX, right? So he, he's he's thinking about using a basic D&D of some format, presumably Beckme or BX D&D, or um, perhaps it's the, the Rules Cyclopedia, is that what it's called? Cyclopedia, I think. Rules Cyclopedia version uh, of basic D&D. Um, yeah, it's a great system, and probably what lends it to something that might lend it to um, role to solo gaming is the procedures that are well um, developed, very well developed in it. Um, they're obviously these procedures are, are are apparent in other forms of D and E, but they're so well crafted in basic. They help you learn the rules, but they're not something that can be or needs to be discarded. Uh, I see quite frequently people saying that it gives it the feel of board gaming, and this is uh, entirely untrue. Once you learn how the procedures work, and once you, they become uh, commonplace, they disappear into the background of play. So once everybody understands how it all works, it, it, the, the, prece- the procedure is not that that cons far in your consciousness right it, it sort of sinks to the back and it becomes very fast and intuitive from that stage if, if intuitive is the correct word here um, but that framework is always in place and you can always refer back to it when necessary now the great thing about the procedures in um, basic form basic dnd of 1982 83 or 91 or whenever is that uh, it's not just combat, it's also procedures for exploration. So you've got procedures uh, for exploring the wilderness, for exploring the dungeons and so on. It doesn't take a lot of work to use that for exploring a city either, right? If you treat a city, it's wards, it's uh, it's squares, it's, it's you know, uh, alleys and so on as dungeon areas, then bingo, that you're off again, right? So... Uh, a wonderful system. I think all Barry, Barry really needs to do here is uh, just add the emulators for the player characters, if that's what he wants to do, and a GM, if that again, that's what he wants to do. And then, as I've said to him uh, in writing, you know, the rest is just imagination, I take it. I mean, I don't do this, but I, I can see if you're playing this game as a solo, you're playing out the rules, you're enjoying the rules and how they work out how the dice land and then you're reconstructing this these procedures these roles these happenstances in your head to create a narrative um obviously it's a different experience to a game run by dm or a game on a computer game you know a game book but it is a, a form of role playing um or at least adventure gaming um, and uh, yeah, I'd be really interested in see how that works out. So good luck with that, Barry. And I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, as always, um, yeah, I've, there's no real intent here to upset anyone. So don't if there's something in the podcast that you don't like, 
perhaps me getting drunk and podcasting or or the possibility of God's limiting free will or, or allowing free will. Um, you know, this is about gaming. And so it's not something that is it's intended to stir up um, any conflict or division in the community. So uh, love and peace. And um, hopefully uh, you're all getting some gaming in when you can. All the best of health and uh, mental health, physical health to you all. And I think as somebody says, you know, be excellent to each other. Is that, is that Jason? Yeah. Anyway, thank you everyone for calling in and for listening. And hopefully I'll have some more recaps or other things soon. Oh, that reminds me, I got a slightly scandalous role-playing game that came in that's probably not one I'm going to talk about because I think it'll be a little bit controversial as it's from one of the OSR uh, producers that is considered a black sheep and a bit of a troublemaker. Um, I'm not sure what to do with that as the material itself is fantastic. So I'm not going to name the name but uh, maybe that's a, a question I can leave you with after all these good wishes for your health is what do we do when the role-playing game and its creator or the person that uh, the po- person that inspired that role-playing game is very dubious? Um, now, we have this debate with Call of Cthulhu, right? There, it's far more clear-cut Um the, the Lovecraft, at least at certain stages in, in his life, had ideas that were completely reprehensible uh, by even standards of his, of his time, certainly by most people's standards today. Um, and yet it's a very popular game and a lot of people uh, of various um, perspectives, political points of view, are quite happy to play it um, because they see this as being very different from the game being and the even the books being quite different for the most part uh, from uh, the the person who inspired them or at least his his ideas uh, even his books right there's, there's things in there that people will find very uncomfortable in his writing uh, Lovecraft that is and yet they're able to appreciate appreciate something in it where do how, how do we make this division? Um, the game creator I'm talking about here is by no, no means uh, as uh, problematic as Lovecraft, and yet, uh, and yet, very central to many of the divisions in the OSR community, if not the role playing game community as a whole. So, um, where do we stand on that? Is it possible to have a kind of un? Is it even no? Is it desirable to have a unified stance on this? Um, yeah, I, I I'm curious to know. I certainly wouldn't want to offend anybody, which sounds like very weak and uh, and so on. But you know that's the kind of person I am. I I have views. I have opinions, um, but I don't necessarily harp on about them uh, in in this particular space uh, for obvious reasons. I think. Anyway, leave you on that. Thank you so much and uh, bye-bye until next time.